Are you ready? Good, at least two of us. All right. Today I titled this message, We Are Family. I don't want to tell you where this message came from. We were sitting in a council meeting discussing about all the people that were missing. We're missing a lot of people. Look around. Both of our services used to be at least halfway full, and our second service was more than halfway full every Sunday. And every Sunday we're struggling to get people to come back to church. And this isn't about getting people back to church. This is about missing people. People that call this church their home who aren't worshiping with us. And around the discussion, I, I just kind of, it just kind of struck me as odd that the council was sitting talking about how to organize how we reach them. It bothered me. And I thought to myself, we're, we're a church family. That's the only thing that hit me. We're, the, we're a church family. If I miss my family, I call them. I visit them. I I get them to come to me. We have family reunions. that we, we do things as a family because we miss our family. Now, the problem with the church is we don't always know who everybody in our family, do we? I, I can tell you, I come from a very large family. I have, I have second cousins and third. I don't know who these kids are. I go to family reunions. I don't know who half the people there are. I know who they belong to. If that helps, that kid belongs to that cousin or whatever. I, I get that. But I don't really know them. And so I thought to myself, how can we do this better? I mean, how can we do this as the church, as a church family? So I titled this message, We Are Family. We are family. Are you ready? Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. We're on. We're live. All right. So, and especially in these times of um, struggle as a church, and we're not the only ones. Some churches are, are in really bad shape, to be honest with you. Some countries are in very bad shape. The missionaries have left, and there is almost no gospel there at all right now. That's really bad, really bad. So we're doing much better than most and um, doing pretty well sustaining our congregation and keeping people connected. We're doing pretty well at that. We have our emails and our, all, all the other electronic stuff, but what's missing is that personal touch. So that's what I want to talk about today, how we can build each other up in faith, hope, and love. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, brothers and sisters, notice those words are underlined. Brothers and sisters... That's us. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or, do, or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. 
For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Now let's start with the surprise part. Most of this passage of Scripture deals with basically the rapture of the church, and we've been talking about the future of the church in the last days and where we're living, and in the first several verses of this are dealing with that very subject. And it says that the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and no one understands when that time will be, and that's one of the most important things we can understand as a congregation, as a church, as a church universal, is that no one knows when Christ is going to come. It's up to him. A lot of people have tried to guess. A lot of people have made really bad guesses because when you guess about something that only God knows himself, you will be wrong. There it is. You just can't do it. So stop trying. Just be ready. That's the point that the writer to 1 Thessalonians is saying. Just be ready. You're not children of darkness. You're children of light. You're not ignorant. You live as children of God, therefore, act that way. We are children that are enlightened. You are all children of the light and children of the day. There's an enlightenment that we enjoy in the church. There is that knowledge that we have, but it's more than just knowledge. It's a, it's a spirit of God that is alive in us. And so when the darkness is all around us, we don't act the same, we don't respond the same, we don't crawl into a hole and die. We stand up as children of light and we continue to shine for Christ. Even in our worst moments that are seemingly overwhelming to us, the presence of God in our lives makes a huge difference. There is light there, there is hope there, there is enlightenment there. There's this knowledge that goes beyond just the knowledge of what's happening. It's a knowledge of who is in charge. It's the knowledge of who is leading, who is designed to this thing, who will bring us out, who has provided salvation, who we put our hope in. It's all about who Jesus is to Christ, and we are redeemed by him and him alone. We're children of the Enlightenment, and the Enlightenment comes from God himself. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Now, it gets back to the last point I made two weeks ago, because I wasn't here last week. Two weeks ago, I said, look, just, you just got to be ready. Our job as the church is to keep looking up, always, always. Whether these are the last days or we think they're the last days or Jesus is coming tomorrow or Jesus is coming 600 years from now, just keep looking up because that's our direction. That's where we're headed. That's where our hope comes from. That's where our light comes from. That's where our life comes from. That's where any peace that we want comes from. It doesn't come from the things we're looking down at. It doesn't even come from the things we're looking across at. It comes from the one who is the Redeemer and the Savior, the light and the life. 
And if we're looking up to him and holding on to his hand, we are going to not only survive, we're going to thrive even in the darkness. We'll still shine. The thief is coming. But he shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us that the world is full of sin. It shouldn't surprise us that the world works against the church. It shouldn't surprise us that things don't always work out the way we plan them. It shouldn't surprise us that we have good days and bad days. It shouldn't surprise us that people get sick and honestly that people even die. That's the end of all things. That's life. We're not surprised by the normal happenings in the human race. What is surprising, what is absolutely overwhelming, is that the King of glory comes to us. That's surprising. That the salvation that Christ has for us is all-inclusive. It covers all of my sin. It covers all of my life. It covers all of my coming and going. It covers me. I'm a child of the light, not a child of darkness. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. That's the surprising thing, though, isn't it? It's shocking, actually. You know, the enemy comes to me sometimes and tries to discourage me. Anybody else? Reminds me of where I've been, the stupid things that I've done. Anybody there with me? Have you ever been stupid? Yeah, we won't talk about that, Scott. We talk to Scott about why he's wearing a bandage today, though. Um, we all do stupid stuff, and the enemy reminds me. Honestly, it happened this morning. As I was getting dressed, just this memory that I have of someone that I, I hurt. And that bothered me, you know? It just hurt me again that I did that or that I acted that way. Well, maybe I'm confessing something shocking to you, but guess what? I make big mistakes sometimes just like you do. And I've hurt people in the ministry, and I've never meant to. I've always tried to be the right guy, but I'm not always right. <sighs> Shocking. And what surprises me time and time again, and surprised me again this morning, is I'm preparing last moments, praying over my message again, was the presence of the Lord coming down and washing all that away again. Time and time and time again, finding his mercy. Shocking. Still surprises me. And it should still surprise us all. I mean, it really should. That's what I was praying about earlier, is stirring up those things again. Getting that freshness back. That reality that this salvation that Christ has given me is way, way, way more good than anything I can possibly imagine. Christ's presence in my life is still redemptive. Christ's power in my life still raises me up to stand in a place to preach His Word that I don't deserve. And nobody does. But it's his mercy and his grace over and over and over and over again. And when we lose that freshness, 
we stumble into this powerless, empty, dead church routine. Let's get the freshness back. Let's get the brother and sister life back. Let's start talking in faith and love and a hope of salvation. This is what Thessalonians write. I have this faith, I have this love, and I have this hope of salvation that keeps me moving forward. To love people that I, w- I would never love normally in human flesh. I would never love just anybody and everybody. And yet, anybody and everybody can come to our church and God calls, them, calls us to call them brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's this amazing gift that he gives us to love people that we couldn't love in any other way other than that the love of Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts. And that love causes me to keep on loving even when I don't want to. And that takes the faith that this starts with. It takes a faith. You know, when this whole pandemic thing started, I I tried to remind people regularly, you know, I know there's a lot of things we need to do, and I know there's a lot of precautions that we need to take, but we need to also stand as people of faith. That God will protect us, and God will keep us, and that God will help us do our jobs as the church, that we'll continue to minister and we'll continue to preach and we'll continue to reach out and we took all kinds of different forms to do that. But at the end of the day, we just need to have some faith. You know, in the dark ages and the dark times of the church, do you know why they started calling the church sanctuary a sanctuary? Because people would come there to hide often not only from persecution, but from sickness and disease that was around them. And the priests and the, and the uh, nuns would minister to them in faith. They could have gotten the disease and died as well. And I keep, re- I keep reminding myself of that, that we just, we just can't just close up and walk away. And a lot of churches have, and I think it's going to be disastrous for them. I think we need to keep the doors open and I think we need to let the sick and the lame and the halt and the hurting come to the church because they don't just need medicine they need Christ and they don't just need someone telling them what to do they need somebody reaching out to them and loving them and that requires some in-person stuff to me you know, it's like the virtual hugs have you gotten one of those that ain't worth squat you know what I mean? It just, it doesn't work for me. I'm a huggy kind of guy. I, I, I love people and I want to I touch them somehow. Touch their face, touch their hands. I need that connection. In reality, we all do. We all need that connection. We all need that in-person, in-your-face kind of connection. We all do. So let's keep the faith Keep some faith through it all. That doesn't mean we go stupid and just say, okay, God, here you go, test us in this and see if we're right. It means we do what we need to do. We also do some things that are beyond the norm to make sure we stay connected with one another. And Christ is our hope of salvation. It's not our salvation, it's his. 
We need to have faith through it all. For us, there is no wrath of God. No wrath of God for you. And this goes back to that very first part where we're talking about the rapture of the church. And this is, one, again, one of the verses that reminds me that I don't think the church is going through the tribulation. Because the tribulation is the wrath of God. It's God judging the earth. And all those who've turned their back on him and all those who've fought against him for year after year after year. This is a reminder to me that we don't go through that wrath. So I hold on to that scripture as well. But it's more than that as well. There's a, there's a salvation that we enjoy that, that the world doesn't get. It's not just that we live through this world and we struggle just as the world does. It's that we don't ever have to fear God being angry with us and judging us. Ever. If you're a child of God, you don't have to fear God's wrath. If you're a child of the light, you don't have to fear God's wrath. He's not angry with you. He's a loving father trying to bring you into his fullness as family. As a father who teaches and guides and directs and corrects. But as a father who loves his children. So when Christ comes to us and the Lord comes to us and he wants to lift us up, it's exactly what he's trying to do is just lift us up. Bring us back into the family. Now some of you all were the black sheep of the family and maybe still are. I wasn't if you believe that. We, we kind of have those people in our midst that kind of do the things that they shouldn't do and they don't always fit the way we want them to fit and they're just always kind of the, in the family and yet kind of on the outskirts. You know these people? Church families have them too, right? And our job is not to say, well, look, if you want out, just get out. Our job is to continually try to pull them in. You know why? Because that's what God does to us. It's exactly what he does to us. That's why he keeps trying to bring us back as a loving father. He's trying to pull us back into his heart, into the closeness, into the nucleus of the family. And this is really how churches prosper. As a church family, we continue to reach out and bring those from the very outside into the next circle in, kind of attached to the church, and then get them into a next level where they feel part of the church, and then they get to be in the core, which is the leadership and the ministration of the church, and so on and so forth. Where you're really in, 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 and you can never get out then, we won't let you. But there's that same relationship that we have with the Father. He's trying to bring us in all of the time. And when we discover his heart that the salvation through Christ keeps drawing us in, keeps pulling us closer. And as a church family, we need to continue to do the same thing. Make sure that we're always trying to pull people in closer. Not putting them aside. That's why we've made membership and coming, becoming a member of this church kind of a simple thing to do. It's not hard at all. You believe in Jesus and this is your church and you want to follow him and you want to come here every Sunday and worship with us, sign up. We'll put you in. We'll let you join. We'll put you to work too because it's a two-way street. Membership is, well, has its responsibilities, so to say. 
I'm part of this church. I want to be part of what's going on here. That's why we make it easier so you can become part of that. The salvation that we have is through Christ and Christ alone. And everything we owe to anyone else is because we owe it to him. If I owe love, it's because I have a debt of love. If I owe graciousness, it's because I have a debt of graciousness. If I owe mercy, it's because I have a debt of mercy. Not to the people around me, but to the Lord who saved me. This salvation is His. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now, when I read that, I thought, am I really doing that? And Paul, Paul's writing to the church in Thess- Thessalonica, and he's writing this amazing letter, which is, if you haven't read it, you really need to read it again. But this amazing letter, and this part of this letter is really crucial. It's not only a faith-building thing, it's not just a, if there's solid theology there, but this reminder, too, of keep building one another up just as you are already doing Are we really doing that very well? Or should we take stock? So, here's the plan. Helping each other up. First, without looking down. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you in elementary truths of God's Word. All over again, you need milk, not solid food. You know, everybody goes through these times of struggles in their faith and in their life, and, and for different reasons, good, bad, or indifferent, fall out of contact or you know, stop calling or stop getting involved, and we need to help them back but not by looking down on them. And I want to just hit this again, this passage of Scripture. This is the definition of maturity. Those of us who have matured in our faith, we're not just drinking the milk of the Word anymore. We're chewing on some meat. We're going deeper into His Word. But more importantly, we're acting as we ought to act. We're not looking down on people and saying, oh, they really should be here and shame on them and blah, blah, blah. None of that plays any part in any of this when we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we see ourselves as that. We don't get to judge one another. We don't get to put each other down. We really have to just keep lifting each other up because someday you're going to need it too. Someday you're going to need it too. You may be standing strong right now, but the day may come when you're not. And someone comes to visit you, and someone calls you, and someone offers you a word of hope or a word of encouragement. It happens to me all of the time. Someone sends me a note just when I need it. Someone calls me on the phone just as I'm struggling. It happens all of the time. And it happens to you too, doesn't it? happens all of the time. We need to be those people reaching out to one another. It's a definition of maturity that even when we don't feel like we're up to snuff, we still find the faith, the love, the courage to reach out and to love those around us.
even when we feel like we can't respond to Christ as we should. This is where our faith is really tested. This is where faith is really lived out. Not in the things that we do every day to kind of maintain, but when we're really struggling, do we still have the faith to give? When we feel really empty, do we still have the faith to give out? When we feel unloved, do we really still have the faith to love and reach out? It's a definition of maturity. Ask any mother. Ask any mother. Ask any father. Who's come home after a long day or who's been out all day or just tired and the kid's cranky or cutting teeth and good Lord, they're staying up till three in the morning and then they're up again at five. You know those days. You had nothing left to give. You were totally drained. And yet, somehow your children survived. Why? Because you kept being their mother and their father. That's how it works. And maturity in our lives that calls the same thing out of us in our Christian walk, it's to give even when we feel like we have nothing left to give. And trust that God will make up the difference. See, we all need encouragement. Everyone does. We all need our faith built up. We all need to be loved at times when we don't feel loved. Bring a smile to someone's faith, reach, face. Just reach out to them. Reach out to the people who are struggling against all odds, just trying to survive. We need encouragement. But you do, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Build yourself up. This is a sign of maturity as well. Getting up when you're down, sign of maturity. Fighting when you don't feel like you could have one more swing left in you, sign of maturity. Giving when you're completely empty, sign of maturity. Facing the odds when the odds are totally against you, sign of maturity. Keeping the faith when you don't feel like you have any faith left. It's a sign of maturity. Building ourselves up. There's a way to do that. And we all need to do this. And it's so often the reason why church people struggle is they don't take the time to build themselves up. If you're sitting around and waiting for somebody else to do it for you, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. You have to take the responsibility for this level of maturity on yourself. Because if you don't, you don't have anything to give out. And we do this by waiting on the Lord, by praying in the Spirit, by seeking Him out, by finding that place where He can refresh us and meet with us. And if we don't do that, we're just pouring out of an empty vessel nothing but air.
So build yourself up and then rebuild. Keep on building. It's not fresh every day automatically. Our faith isn't new to us automatically. That freshness comes because we want that freshness. That newness comes because we seek that newness. That relationship matures and grows because we work at it. We strive for it. We achieve something in our faith that we can't, that we can't trade, for, trade in for. You've just got to go after it. Build yourself up. Go back to that verse again. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. See, the end goal there is eternal life, that we get to spend eternity with Him. And this writer, Jude, is saying to us, look, here's how you maintain during that time. Because the stuff in the world has continued to happen and the stuff that you're struggling against is still going to happen. But you've got to keep the faith because eternity waits for you. But you've got to get there. And he's called you to live a life of faith and mercy and love. So build yourselves up in this most holy faith. By praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for his mercy to come. So build and rebuild and pray and keep praying and seek Him and keep seeking Him. Yesterday's blessings aren't good enough for today. You need something fresh every day. Let's draw the conclusion to this message this way. Just in fact as you are doing. Love one another just in fact as you are doing. So if you're doing this, great. If you're not doing this, time to step up. Time to step up. So here's what you're going to do. I have, with the help of my secretary, uh, taken the time to cut into little pieces people's names, addresses, email address, phone numbers, blah, blah, blah. All that information in this little piece of paper about this big. So you'll probably need these if you're my age. And we have them waiting for you outside the doors today. All right? So here's what you're going to do. You're not going to look for anybody that you know. You're going to take a random name out of the hat, and you're going to call them, send them a card, call them, and make the call. Make the call. Text away. Keep on texting if they have a phone number that allows that. Tell them that you miss them. Tell them that you personally miss them. You say, Pastor, I may not even know who these people are. Does that really matter? They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. You see these empty seats? They could be there. Do you miss them? Yes. Tell them you miss them. You miss them in church. You miss them in worship. Talk it up. Don't be a downer with people. Stop dragging people into your concerns and your worries and your problems. I hate to say that. But I have people in my life that when I call them and say, hey, can you, I'd really like to, you want to, would you like to, and they start telling me all their stuff. 
because I'm a pastor, it's my job, I get it. But seriously, I'd like, I'd like to hang out with you and have a good time. Is that too much to ask? That I can be your friend and your, your partner, your, a person that you know, not just your pastor? Is that too much to ask? So don't do that to people. It's annoying. Just love one another. You'd be surprised how well that works. To just love one another. So talk it up. Talk about your church. We love our church. Amen? We love our church. It's a great place to hang out. It's a great place to meet wonderful people. We love our Lord. It doesn't get any better than knowing Jesus. So let's talk about who the Lord is and what an amazing thing it is to know Him. We love our church family. Let's talk about our family. Let's talk about the people that we miss. You can take as many as you want, but just take a few. I mean, some of you guys are like, I can't wait to do this. Give me 12. I know you. God bless you. But share. Some of you are just the opposite. I'm not doing that. That's not me. That's not my personality. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because this is your church family. And you need to set yourself aside and be a brother and sister to the people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Did that come off harsh? Or was that just in your face truth? Okay. So, come out of the shell and reach out to one another. You, know, you may not even know who some of these people are. Honestly, I'm going through the list thinking, who, I, don't know who, I don't even know who these people are. I don't know who some of them are. I can't wait to get to know them. You might make a new friend here. Someone you can pray with. Someone you can encourage. Someone who can encourage you. Someone whose faith will rub alongside your faith and you'll spark a new fire. Wouldn't that be exciting? It doesn't happen until you try. So take the leap and do this because it's good for you and it's what families do. Go beyond yourself. I know it's going to be a struggle for some of you, but just go beyond yourself. Take that step. You may make a new friend. It'll be fun. So here's what you're going to do. Here's the instructions. One, use hand sanitizer before you reach your grubby little hand into the bag. Okay, clean it off first. So the ushers are going to be right outside these two doors, so don't sneak out the middle. Right outside these two doors, the hand sanitizer dispensers are right there. You reach out your hand under the hand sanitizer thing, you wipe your hands down, you reach in the bag and take two or three, or just one if you'd like. And let's take a step. Let's take a stand. And pray before you call them. Build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Pray before you call them. Pray during. Offer to pray for what they need. Hey, can I spend a moment with you in prayer? Is there anything you'd need from the Lord? Is there anything you'd like me to pray about? Be surprised how people respond to that. It's one of the best conversation starters you'll ever have. People tend to drop their guard when they know someone's willing to pray with them. And then continue to pray for them after. 
Give of yourself, because the Lord will make it up to you. He'll give back to you. That's what he does best. All right, you ready? Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the chance that we have to love one another, to be the church, to reach out to our church family and welcome people into our family. We know some of them have very good reasons why they're not here every Sunday, but we pray, Lord, that if it's just that they've gotten out of the habit, we can remind them of how much they need to come back and worship with us. So help us, Lord, and use us, Lord, to reach out to people who are struggling at this time and show them the love of Christ and remind them that they're not forgotten, that their church still loves them. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.